The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Is your platform at risk of being destroyed or censored by big tech companies? Well, in this episode, you're going to find out and find out what to do about it. This is a special solo episode. It's just you and me talking about some of the latest developments. And some of this has happened just in the last few weeks. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, big tech companies have started um, censoring, shadow banning, and suspending accounts of Christian authors. And there's a chance you may have already been algorithmically or maybe explicitly shadow banned and not know it. So real quick, you may be wondering, what is shadow banning? Well, this is when a social media company allows your profile to stay active. So anyone who goes there directly will still see it, but it's hidden in search. Uh, People may not get the updates if they go out, depending on how the platform works. And it may be hidden from things like recommendations and potentially demonetized if it's a platform that has monetization. So if you've seen a dramatic drop in social engagement, there's a chance you have been shadow banned. So I'm going to go through the different platforms and kind of explain uh, what they're doing. And I'll talk about what to do about it because you can actually protect your platform where you're 100% free from the risk of censorship. So let's talk about Pinterest first. Um, Recently, a whistleblower, somebody who worked at Pinterest, revealed how Pinterest has been censoring uh, pro-lifers, Christians, and conservatives, and that they have a, a list of sensitive terms that if you use that Uh, a term on that list, your post gets censored or gets suppressed. And that uh, sensitive terms list includes Bible verses. So you could be sharing a Bible verse that gets you suppressed on Pinterest. They've even deleted whole accounts. Uh, Christian authors uh, used to rave about Pinterest, bringing a flood of traffic to their sites. I remember talking with authors five, six years ago who were like, oh my gosh, Pinterest has been so great for my platform. And I have to say, I have not heard that from a single Christian author recently. Uh, So if you are a Christian author and you are still getting lots of traffic to your website from Pinterest, do post in the chat and let us know what you write about, because not all Christian authors are being targeted, obviously. It's only certain topics and certain kinds of authors. Uh, But of the uh, companies, Pinterest seems to be the most uh, flagrant, or at least we know the most about what's happening because of this whistleblower. And I'll link uh, to news articles that kind of go into more detail. All right, the next company is Twitter. And I will say I'm a little surprised Twitter is getting into the censorship game because historically they uh, said we want to be the free speech wing of the free speech party. And Twitter has been the most open and accommodating of the platforms. Uh, But recently they've gone after Christian authors who I know personally, including Abby Johnson, uh, who I know I helped build her very first website. She is a pro-life advocate. And the weekend, the movie about her book, Unplanned, which is excellent. If you haven't read it, you should check out Unplanned. Um, But the weekend, the same weekend the movie came out about her book, her Twitter account disappeared. (laughs) They just suspended her Twitter account, uh, which, you know, the timing of that was um, pretty flagrant. And this was not an algorithmic ban. This was an actual manual ban, I believe. Um, They did undo it. And, and And uh, I I will say, with a lot of these news articles, the existence of the news article gets them to stop whatever tech company we're talking about for the specific person listed in the news article. But if you don't have the 
oomph uh, in terms of your personal platform to get on the news, to get pressure on the social media company, uh, you will stay banned. So just because so-and-so's friends with a um, producer at a news station and they can get themselves unbanned doesn't mean you can do the same. All right, YouTube, uh, just uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, there was a news article I saw that they recently banned an ad uh, because it had the word Christian as a keyword. It labeled it as unacceptable content. I'll link to that article and you can see it. But again, I've had personal experience with this. Uh, In fact, the agency has had personal experience with this. One of our clients, one of our agency clients was demonetized for advocating complementarianism on her YouTube account and in her YouTube uh, videos. So she's suppressed by YouTube because they don't agree with her point of view. And I get it. Probably many of you listening aren't complementarians. You lean more towards the egalitarian side of the debate of kind of the role of women in the church. Uh, But and, and I'm not really advocating a side here. I'm just saying that YouTube has a side. And if you are the side that YouTube disagrees with, YouTube may be suppressing your videos which means that YouTube may not be a good place to build your platform uh, if you um, have one of those views that they disagree with. And here's the trick or the challenge is that none of these tech companies are explicit about what they're censoring. None of them are saying, here is a list of things we're for sure censoring. Some of them will have a partial list, uh, but often it's very vague and they won't even tell you, especially if it's a shadow ban, you may just be like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting any views. I'm not getting any likes or any retweets or whatever it is with the platform. I don't know why when in reality behind the scenes they are hiding your content or suppressing your content from all but perhaps your most diehard fans. All right, so let's talk about Facebook and what they're doing. Uh, They actually have a long history of censoring Christians. Going back um, to 2012, I remember. It's the first instance I remember of them doing this. But uh, Facebook uses something called EdgeRank, which is an algorithm, which is a very powerful censorship engine uh, that can make it almost impossible to find out if you're being censored or not because it doesn't just look at the content of what you're posting. It also looks at a lot of other factors. And I've talked about EdgeRank in other places. I did a whole uh, video breaking it down and why Facebook is becoming less effective from a marketing perspective, just from a business perspective because of EdgeRank. But EdgeRank is also able to ban specific topics. And the first time I know of this happening was in 2012, there was a big event called Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. You may remember this. Everybody was going to Chick-fil-A that year on a specific day. It was a big hullabaloo. And on Facebook, it got completely muted for, I think, eight hours or 10 hours. Any mention of Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day was hidden. So you would post it and no one would see it. And it wasn't until somebody went on the news, again, they, um, somebody had the PR oomph to get on the news, call them out about it. And they're like, oh, we didn't do that on purpose. It was a glitch that only censored Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day and nothing else which I'll say I do not believe. (laughs) And Christian authors like Paul Washer uh, have had their sermons taken down from Facebook uh, for being hate speech. I have a link uh, to the news article on uh, Christianity Today about that and about him getting his uh, sermons taken down. Paul Washer, uh, very well-known author. I I remember listening to his sermons in in college, and he is getting uh, censored on Facebook. And then Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, has censored even Alveda King, who's the niece of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, when some of her posts were too pro-life Instagram uh, censored uh, Dr. Alveda King. So anyone is eligible to get targeted. Again, we only know for sure about the people who are high profile. Alveda King is very high profile. She speaks all over the country and she's very famous. And so 
when she gets censored, she's able to get on the news. And uh, But I want to kind of talk about the different categories of Christians who've been targeted so far. Because I do want to say not all Christian authors are being targeted by every social media platform. And some people are not targeted at all. But who we know for sure has been targeted already, and we have like news articles of examples or whistleblowers inside who are saying these people are being targeted, or who I personally have observed them being targeted one way or another. Uh, pro-lifers for sure. I think anyone with a pro-life position is most at risk uh, for being targeted by the social media companies. And just in the last year, they've made uh, the pro-life issue a big uh, target for censorship. They're, they're wanting to silence the pro-life side of the debate. Um, also, complementarians are, are being targeted. I've, I've experienced that uh, personally. I've seen clients who've done that, as I mentioned earlier. Advocates of the Christian sexual ethic, kind of in general, if, if you're advocating for a Christian sexual ethic, you are highly at risk for being uh, censored or suppressed by a social media uh, platform. Uh, fundamentalists uh, are being targeted often in some conservative evangelicals. So uh, again, there's a continuum, and the more progressive you are, the safer you are from censorship for now, but the number of topics that get censored changes from year to year, and it seems to grow. So it's never like they stop censoring on a topic, they just add more and more topics to the basket of unacceptable topics. So it could be that you are talking about a topic that's acceptable in 2019, but come 2020, that topic gets censored. And the whole platform that you built on whatever social network you have, the tens of thousands of followers you have, suddenly you can't talk to them. You can post, but they won't hear you. It's kind of like the guy in the back of the room who's running the sound booth turning the volume down on your microphone. You're standing on this big stage, and you have all of these people to hear you, but without the microphone getting volume, they can't actually hear you. So I know this is kind of sad, but I have some good news. And that is, there's this thing called the open internet that is completely free or almost exclusively free from censorship. And if you use open internet technologies, uh, there's nothing these big tech companies can do to target you. Whether you're already being targeted or you're afraid that you might get targeted in the future, if you use open technologies to build your platform upon the rock, so to speak, you will be much safer. So first, let me explain uh, the difference between a walled garden and the open internet. A walled garden is a platform that is fully controlled by a single company. Now, the first walled garden was America Online. It had its own like version of the internet within the internet. Uh, some of you may remember dialing up, and they had their own pages and their own chat rooms. And America Online fully controlled the experience inside of America Online. And this is what Facebook is. This is what Instagram is. This is what Twitter is. Twitter has full control over what happens on Twitter. And if the CEO wants you deleted and kicked off the platform, there's nothing you can do about it. The open internet, on the other hand, uses open source technologies that no company or government, for that matter, controls. So the beginning of the internet was very open and very free. And um, one way to kind of think of some of the differences, a walled garden tends to be easier to use. It tends to be free or very cheap, and there's a high risk of censorship, whereas the open internet is typically more expensive. You're paying for something because the, the internet's not free, right? People have to make it work. Um, it's often more technologically complex, and there's a low risk of censorship. So I'm going to talk about some open internet technologies and compare them with some walled gardens. One more metaphor, though. You can think of a walled garden as like a port with a port authority. The open internet's like the open ocean, where there's freedom on the open seas. There, there are some rules and there are some guidelines, but 
nothing compared to a walled garden. All right, so the first uh, open safe platform, open technology, is your website, especially if your website is running on WordPress.org. If you're on Wix or Squarespace, you are, you're vulnerable of those sites cracking down on you for whatever reason and kicking you off the platform. But if you're with WordPress.org, that is open source technology. The code is not owned by anyone. It is publicly available. You could set it up on your own server, and there are thousands, maybe tens of thousands of hosting companies that you can use for WordPress.org website. And because there's so many companies and you have so many choices, none of those companies really want to kick you off because they know it's not going to accomplish anything from an ideological perspective and your website will stay up. There's almost no way to make a website go down that you want to take down because of ideological disagreements. Um, So, I mean, you start to, if you want to take a website down, you start to have to resort to things that are illegal, like hacking or distributed denial of service attacks to take down a website because at the core of the internet is open and you can't just like ban someone's website. Google couldn't ban your website. It could hide it from search, but it couldn't make your website go down, especially if it's running WordPress or some other open source technology. But really, WordPress is the only game in town nowadays for open uh, technology. Uh, The second is your self-hosted blog. So ideally, your website and your blog are running on the same WordPress site. You don't have your blog on like blogger.com or wordpress.com. So real quick differentiation. WordPress.com, walled garden. WordPress.org, that same technology on the open internet. So WordPress is one of the few technologies that's both a walled garden and an open internet technology. And the open source nature of it is really cool. I really like WordPress for this reason. And it's a blogging platform as well as a website platform. So if your blog is running through your own WordPress.org instance, uh, it is on the open internet. Anyone can listen to it. Anyone can visit it. And anyone can subscribe to it. So the subscription technology behind blogging, which is called RSS, is open and free from censorship. It's decentralized pull technology. It is beautiful. It's amazing. And there's nothing any tech company can do to make it go away. Although they have tried. So Google used to have an RSS reader called Google Reader, and they got rid of it because they can't control it and they can't monetize it. So they wanted to push people into using Google Plus instead, which was a failure. (laughs) Google Plus no longer exists, as does Google Reader. But fortunately, as an open internet technology, just because Google Reader uh, went away didn't mean that the alternatives went away. You can get apps for your computer that read RSS feeds, and there are websites like Feedly, and I'll have a link to Feedly in the show notes, which uh, you can use as well. I love Feedly for subscribing to blogs. So it's actually better than Google Reader ever was. The next open internet technology is your email list. <laughs> so if people opt in to your email list and know who you are, anticipate your emails and open them, it is almost impossible for a big tech company to break that connection. Even if a service like MailChimp were to kick you off, uh, and yes, they have deplatformed authors for ideological reasons, MailChimp has, uh, but they don't do it very often. But even if they were to do that, you can just download your list and move to one of MailChimp's hundreds of competitors. So this is one of the things that's different between the open internet 
and uh, the walled garden is that even if a specific company says, we're not going to work with you because you're a Christian, there are other companies you can go to. Whereas if Facebook kicks you off of Facebook, you can't go to somebody else to access Facebook, right? They have a wall around that garden. And if they kick you off, you are completely kicked off. Whereas if MailChimp kicks you off of MailChimp, you can continue sending emails to your subscribers. You just have to use one of their competitors. Uh, And the fourth and final open internet technology, my personal favorite, is podcasts and podcasting. In some ways, this is the freest, uh, most open technology because it's based off of RSS, just like blogging, but uh, RSS is still used. So most people stopped using RSS to subscribe to blogs. They would follow the blogger on Twitter, follow the blogger on Facebook, and expect to find out about new posts via those social media channels, which gave those social media platforms control over whether or not you saw a new post or not. Whereas with podcasting, that never happened. People don't listen to podcasts because it was shared with them on social media. Typically somebody is scrolling through photos on Facebook. They're not ready to sit down and listen to 30 minutes of audio. (laughs) Like that just doesn't happen very often. So most people who listen to podcasts listen because they subscribe on an app on their phone or on their computer. And those apps will pull in that RSS feed. They'll pull in that episode regardless of whether or not the podcaster is popular with the big tech companies or not. And there are famous podcasts that have been banned, quote unquote, from the iTunes uh, Apple podcast directory. They've been banned from Spotify. And yet you can still listen to those podcasts on your iPhone using the Apple app uh, because it is based on these open technologies. There's no way to censor it because of how the technology works. Everything about podcasting is decentralized. There are dozens of competitors at the hosting level. There's dozens of competitors at the statistics level. And it is going to be free into the future, which is really encouraging. There are companies that are trying to create walled gardens of podcasting, but so far, all of those companies have failed. Uh, The founding fathers of podcasting were very um, freedom-minded people, and they resisted corporate control for their own reasons. And now that these corporations are exercising that control, uh, we are all very thankful that they are doing that, especially uh, Christians. So believe it or not, there are more Christian podcasts than any other category of podcasts, and by a significant margin. We've already talked about this on the show in the past, but I think there's 10,000 at last count more Christian podcasts than there are the next category, which I think is comedy or news. Um, That's just a lot of Christian podcasts. Uh, So of the platforms that are Christian-friendly, podcasting is one of the most uh, friendly and also just freedom-friendly and freedom-of-speech-friendly. So to give you an example of censorship-free communication, I would like to share this podcast, The Christian Publishing Show, which is posted to the ChristianPublishingShow.com website, which we control and is safe from censorship. Then new episodes go out via the RSS feed to our subscribers. So people who subscribe on their Android phone or their iPhone get new episodes, and that, too, is free from censorship. Now, posts are also posted to the Steve Lobby blog, which is a WordPress.org blog, which itself is safe from censorship, and an email goes out to stevelobby.com email subscribers, which is safe from censorship. So it is possible to communicate to your platform completely bypassing these big tech companies, or at least the points of the communication flow 
that they control. And that's what we're doing with this show. I am I have no fear that Facebook or Google or Twitter or Pinterest will do anything to interfere with you listening to the show. If you've already subscribed, you're going to hear this episode. And that is a great feeling that the work I put into making this outline and, and doing this episode and recording it will actually reach the audience. That when I talk into the microphone, the speakers will uh, air what I am saying and it's not being censored. Now, I will say part of the reason that we know this is going out is because we're paying for it. So uh, we are paying for the christianpublishingshow.com to be hosted. Uh, We are paying for the MP3 files to be uh, hosted as well. The RSS feed is connected with the website, which we pay for. Steve Lobby pays for stevelobby.com to be hosted, and he pays for MailChimp (laughs) that sends the emails out. And because he is paying, he is the customer. Because we are paying, we are the customer. When a product is free... You are not the customer. You are the product. You are the thing being sold. So when you're on Facebook, the reason Facebook is free is because your attention is being sold to advertisers. You are being sold. You're not being compensated other than the free things that you get on Facebook. So real quick summary. Build your platform on the rock, or at least on the open internet, not in a walled garden. I'm not saying you can't use social media, but I wouldn't use it any more than what you'd be willing to to lose. If suddenly it went away, you don't want that to destroy what you're doing or to disconnect your connection with your readers. You want to have some other connection with your readers other than that thing that you, that might get lost. Um, also, when you're not paying for somebody, remember, you're the product, not the customer. So it's important to pay for things. And a lot of authors always go for the free option. And this becomes like a siren song where they're pulled into the shifting sands of uh, social media that is not a good place to build a platform. For some authors, they'd be better off getting a job and actually getting some money so that they can do things right rather than wasting their time doing things wrong on things that end up not lasting or not having a lasting impact. Because you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. So you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your readers and to your book and the idea that you have that you want to reach the world to invest your precious time on things that are more reliable, things that will last. You're going to be able to listen to this episode years into the future because we're building it on solid technologies and not on shifting sand. Uh, Assuming we keep paying for it, right? If we stop paying for the show... Uh, It will go away. (laughs) And speaking of paying for it, our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute and specifically the course, Seven Secrets of Amazing Author Websites. Uh, One of the keys to an effective platform and a censorship-free platform is a great website. And in this one and a half hour video uh, presentation, you're going to learn how to have an amazing author website. Now, you can buy this course for $25 and you can use the coupon code podcast to save 10% or you can get it for free. (laughs) So if you would like to get this course for free, click the link in the show notes to sign up for email updates from the Christian Writers Institute. And after a couple of days, you will get a free gift. A thank you for joining the Institute that includes a coupon code to unlock the seven secrets of amazing author websites for free. So this is a really great deal. And I really do want to put our money where, with our, where our mouth is when it comes to encouraging you to use open technologies like websites rather than relying on social media. 
Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.